There's a passage of scripture that's very familiar to you all. It's a lot more familiar to those of us who are participating in quizzing this year that says, He prepareth a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Where David was talking about his relationship with God, telling about what, what God is to him and what he does for him, that one has stood out to me this year. Because what's about to happen when we begin to sing and play and worship and the word goes forth here, there's a table. And he's prepared the table for you. And it doesn't mean that the enemy isn't still here and that he isn't still watching. But the power of God says, no, devil, you stand over and watch. And while my sons and daughters consume what they need to defeat you, you can't touch them. When they're standing, he's standing there, and you're doing what you have to do. You're consuming and getting the energy from the Holy Ghost that you need while he watches. Would you worship this morning as we sing?
past weekend, our senior quizzers traveled to Austin, Texas for a tournament, the Louisiana-Texas Open. At this tournament, they competed against um, teams in the intermediate division from Louisiana and from Texas, two of the strongest districts in the nation. And our kids did amazing, you guys. I'm so proud of them. We learned a lot. We grew a lot as a program. Our boys, out of 24 teams, placed fifth place. This is the highest they've ever done at this tournament. And they each got um, ribbons for um, high, personal highest score. Our girls, this was their first tournament to ever uh, play in the novice, or sorry, in the intermediate division. They are truly novice quizzers. They, uh, this is their first year coming up from the junior program into the senior program. So we kind of threw them in with the big dogs this time. And they, guys, they are so impressive. They played uh, three amazing teams, and they represented us so well. They are well above where they should be at this point in their quiz careers. And they um, got also personal um, high score ribbons as well. So we are so proud of them. Um, our program is very, very well represented in this country right now, y'all. Everybody knows Grace Church and what we're doing and kind of where we're heading with quizzing and how we've just made this a priority for our children. So thank you guys so much for your support as a church. We feel it and we covet it. Keep your prayers coming. Again, thank you guys so much. Praise the Lord. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord for what he's doing in our youth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is doing great things in the young people in this church. They're creating pathways that's going to serve them in their relationship with the Lord for the years of their lives to come. I appreciate what God's doing. And I also appreciate you folks. We're glad you're here. We're privileged to have you. And you're in the right place. Why do I say that? It's not because this place looks so good, and it really does. It's because the presence of God is here. It's because our Savior resides in this place and the people that are here. Because our God can do things that can transform your life. That's why you're in the right place this morning. I believe that. I believe that. We want to ask our ushers to come forward. We want to thank uh, you uh, if you're a, a visitor or a guest here this morning. We want to thank you for being here. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we magnify you today. We're thankful for your presence that we feel. We know that you're here, dear God. We pray that you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver. In the precious name of Jesus, everyone say amen. There are just a few things that I have to tell you about this morning. Today is the last day of your 21 days of sacrifice. So hopefully you realize that whatever you sacrifice, you really don't need that much. But I got a feeling that somebody's going to be drinking coffee or sweet tea or whatever you have. So I hope this has served you well and your relationship with the Lord has certainly benefited from it. On Tuesday, January 28th, we will have our morning prayer in our sanctuary at 9 a.m. Please join if you can. And remember to pre-order the Valentine's Day chocolate-covered strawberries via the website or at Grand Central. And Saturday, February 8th, there will be the annual ladies' tea. If you haven't signed up for the tea but you'd like to be there, please contact Sister Sheila Landry for a ticket. Do you love the Lord this morning? Would you like to express that to him? Let's lift our voices and our hands to the Lord this morning as we worship.
Daddy, today, would you lift up your voice? Hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord and shout to him with a voice of triumph. Let's praise him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. that the presence of the Lord is here. The power of the Lord is in the atmosphere here today. And uh, we'll resume this moment of what I like to call God Connect. Uh, we're going to resume that. and Not that we're going to disconnect, but we'll resume this around the front in just a few moments. Again, I appreciate Grace Church so very much for your amazing response to worship. You wanting to give back, you want to give praise and adoration to the Lord, I thank you so very much for your worship. I commented to Brother Dave that would, the music would quiet down a little bit, and I, I asked him, I said, listen to the people. You can literally hear a roar and a rumble of worship uh, while our worship set was going on here today. God inhabits that. God loves that. He lives in that. And if there's one thing that will draw God to you, other than repentance, is worship. He lives in the praise of his people. I want to take just a moment and, along with Courtney, applaud our, our quizzers. They drove a long ways. Excuse me, they rode a long ways. Somebody else did the driving. But uh, we're so proud of our, our Bible quizzing teams. They're doing amazing this year. And uh, I think there's going to be some great things in store for them towards the end of this season of quizzing, but we're proud of you guys. Keep up the great, amazing work. Uh, I think if all of us could get our head around how many verses of Scripture they have to memorize and they have to know words and all that stuff, it's complicated, man. It's not easy. And uh, they're doing a fantastic job, and we, we love and appreciate them so very much. We welcome all of our guests here today along with Brother Ben. So glad all of you are here. Thank you so very much for coming. And uh, uh, among our guests, we are always happy to welcome Sister Pam Eddings. Um, uh, she is actually, probably don't want me to say this very loud, but she is a licensed minister and there's no one more worthy of it than she is. And uh, I'm happy to tell you that she has written yet another book and they're on display out in the lobby. And uh, you're welcome to look through those and pick one up on your way out. Uh, she has a list of how much they cost and what have you and Sister Pam, if you don't mind, I threw a few of mine out there with it. So if you don't have pastor's book, it's a good one, if I have to say so my own self. But uh, it will bless your life, especially if you know someone or if you yourself are called to ministry. Uh, it'll be a blessing to you. I want to welcome the uh, family here today with Brother Tom. It's Brother and Sister Lee, Pastor and Sister Lee. We're so honored to have you folks. They were here for Because of the Times. and decided to stay over a day or two and we are thankful y'all chose to be with us today in Grace Church. God bless you guys and we're so very glad you're here. Um, I don't want to do a lot of preliminary talking today before we get into the Word of God but I do want to say that I believe that there is a mighty revival 
happening in Grace Church right now. And uh, I've not used that phraseology in a long time, but I'm seeing it with some of our families and uh, just across the board all through Grace Church, especially this year. There's just been a, a reviving of God's spirit in our lives, and I'm so thankful for that. I don't know how you could say one prayer meeting is better than another. I think all prayer meetings are amazing, but our men's prayer yesterday was off the chart. And uh, had close to 20 men that were here yesterday, and they cried and sobbed and prayed. It was an amazing, amazing prayer meeting. I believe God's doing a work. He's setting the church up for some amazing and mighty things before the rapture of the church. As all of you know, uh, this year I've taught a series on Wednesday night concerning sin and uh, the reasons we shouldn't sin. Last Sunday I preached about it. and uh, But this Sunday it's going to be the same direction. But um, I want to take it to its finality today. I want to preach a sermon you very seldom hear in pulpits anymore we're going to preach today in John chapter 14 verse 1 Jesus said let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also and whether I go you know and the way you know and then from Luke chapter 16 verse 19 there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if, though, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning. I don't plan to preach long. I just want to title this simply today, The End 
of it all. The end of it all. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. Sometimes we are intrigued about places and things. I know Sister Murphy and I have been to some beautiful places such as some of the islands in the Caribbean. We've been to Yellowstone a couple of times. We've been to Ireland. Ireland's a beautiful, beautiful country. We've been to Rome. We've been to the Mediterranean. And even the Rockies and the Ozarks. We've been to the Smokies, which is probably one of my favorites on and on. We still have a bucket list of some places we'd like to go. Alaska being one of them. I'd love to visit Alaska one day. But I'll point out to you today and and pay attention to this statement. It's not just the place. It was the environment. It was the atmosphere. I've told many people I could think I could go to Gatlinburg for about a week and rent one of them nice little cabins up in the Smokies and just give me a coffee pot and some coffee and a good rocking chair and a nice porch with a good scenic view out the backyard of that place, and I could just sit there for a long time. It's not just the place. It's the environment. It's peaceful. It's quiet. Enjoy being there. All of us say sometimes that if I could just go here or if I could just go there, if I could buy this thing or buy that thing, then surely it would bring some level of satisfaction and contentment to my life. But I submit to you this morning that there's more to life than places or things. Places and things in and of themselves just don't satisfy. And I'll go on to say this morning that there's more to eternity than just them being material things. Suffice to say that there's more to heaven than gold and there's more to hell than fire. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about both. I'll begin today with heaven. I've said it before, a number of years ago I used to work for a local funeral home. I've never been to a funeral and left without the minister making some effort to try to persuade the people that the deceased was now in heaven somewhere. It didn't matter what their lifestyle was. It didn't matter if they were a good person, a bad person. It didn't matter. And, and, and a lot of religious circles that I know about today that don't matter who you are, what kind of life you live, when you die, you're going to heaven. And everybody makes a big deal about going to heaven. But I'm not persuaded here this morning that Everybody that we think is in heaven is. Neither am I persuaded that about people that we think is not there, they are there. I'll never make that judgment as to who I think is there and who is not there. I don't think that's appropriate. But I do know this. If you ask the average person, they may not understand heaven all that much. They may not be able to quote all the materials that the book of Revelation gives to us that it's made out of. They may not understand the angelic host and they may not even understand that much about God that's sitting on the throne when you get there. But everybody sure wants to go. 
It's always amazing to me. I've never talked to anybody in or out of the church, in church environment or out of church environment, whether it be their living room or a grocery store. I've never asked anybody, do you want to go to heaven? And they said no. Everybody that I've met or talked to in my entire life, everybody wants to go to heaven. And I will assure you today that I do. And I believe there's a house full of people here today that would share my sentiment that when you pass from this life, that is where you want to end up when it's all over, when it's all said and done. Heaven, I believe, is going to be stunning. It's going to be amazing. I can't describe it better than John the Revelator did in Revelation 21 when he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the writer went on to say, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. I don't believe that Jesus just wanted us to set our sights on heaven because of its material aspects. I don't believe he was trying to attract us to heaven because of the jewelry that it would be made out of and constructed out of. In his earthly ministry in John 14 that I read in your hearing today, he talked about many mansions. If you study that word, the word mansion does not necessarily mean something beautiful and elaborate of costly array and whatnot. But it's alluding to the fact that heaven is permanent that it's eternal, it's forever, that once you arrive, you never have to worry about having to leave. It is an eternal place. Yes, it is very costly, and it's full of rare and expensive jewels, but that's not why I believe, that's not why Jesus is wanting to try to attract us there. As a matter of fact, you would have to begin reading the Bible in Genesis and read it all the way through to the second to the last chapter before you ever read a description of heaven. Even before you could read about heaven, you'd read about hell. Before you read about heaven, you'd read about the white throne judgment. So why then does Jesus want us to go there? 
I submit this morning that that question is long and lengthy. But for the sake of this message today, I believe first and foremost, He wants us there because He's there. I think for most of us here today that have some understanding of Scripture, as the old song said, when I, when I was a child, I heard it. Somebody said, just build me a cabin somewhere in heaven. I relate to that. As long as he's there, I really don't care about the rest of it. Heaven's going to be a beautiful place. But I believe he wants his church with him. And I believe he's more anxious to have us with him than we actually are looking forward to being with him. So heaven, heaven is so much more than a physical attraction. Not only is Jesus there, there's that environment thing I was just talking about. The atmosphere, the worship. Oh my, the worship. We think sometimes we have great moments here in worship. I've been to camp meeting and have heard the worship and I thought, my word, if heaven is better than this, we won't be able to stand it. The atmosphere is going to be sinless. No sin. I can't even relate to that. I can't. I can't get my head around being in a place where there's who knows how many. Millions upon millions. John said the voice of many waters speaking of Jesus and then multitudes of people praising him, saying hallelujah to the Lord God omnipotent that reigneth. No sin, no pain, no tears, no sickness, no death, no goodbyes, no devil. not just the beauty, it's the environment. And I believe today with all of my heart that in some ways, everything you do here for the kingdom, some way, somehow, you're laying up treasure over there. And so when you die right with God, or when we're raptured right with God, this is the end of that journey. You are privileged and honored to become a recipient. You inherit this place that is even beyond description. That is the end of it all if you're right with God. But on the other hand, the Bible said in Mark chapter 9, verse 44, 46, and 48, Three times in reference to hell. I want to point out to you today in passing that Jesus allowed men through divine inspiration to describe heaven. But he saved the description of hell for himself. He's the one that said, if you're right, I offend you, pluck it out. I went through that in Bible study a couple of Wednesday nights ago. But then he said in Mark, in reference to hell, it's where the worm dieth not or the soul of man that goes there. You never die the same as you never die in heaven. You'll never die in hell. And he went on to say the fire is not quenched. It never goes out. It never lets up. It never cools down. 
It never gets easier the longer you're there. I will point out to you today that hell is just as is eternal as heaven. As long as people are rejoicing in heaven, there's going to be people being tormented in hell. So I submit to you today that as much as there's more to heaven than its material description, there's more to hell than just its description as well. I'll remind you, there's more to heaven than gold, and there's more to hell than fire. Jesus tells the story. People debate whether it's an actual story or a parable. It makes no difference to me. The truth of it is the same. But to me, Jesus presents this parable, I'll say, indicating that the rich man didn't give much time or attention to spending eternity somewhere someday. Jesus said there was a certain rich man with, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every single day. I, I read in that that he's so comfortable here. He has so much here. There's no point in him thinking about an afterlife somewhere. It's kind of like maybe a few people here today You just never think in those terms. Eventually, Jesus said, he died. The next statement says this, and in hell, he lift up his eyes. I could preach this for a couple hours today, and I'm not going to, but I want to say in passing, I cannot imagine the stark realization that comes to a person when that's where you are, when you realize this is where I am. I can't believe I'm here. I I can't believe that my life led me to this. I dispute and I take offense with people that say God sends people to hell. You don't need help in going to hell. God don't have to send you. You can go all by yourself and you'll go through the church to get there. You'll go through the grace of God to get there. But in hell, my God, what am I doing here? I can't believe I've got this for eternity to deal with. And the Bible said being in torment. I believe today that one of the the greatest torments, one of the greatest torments, if you take Jesus' statement in order, before he said anything about the fire, before he said anything about falling and being thirsty and talking about his five brothers, the first thing he mentioned being in torment was that he could see Abraham. I'm not going to get into theology here today, but this is written from the backdrop of Old Testament. They, they weren't into the Holy Ghost and New Testament yet, so Jesus is telling the Jews this because they'd understand the New Testament. That's why you read Abraham in it. But I believe what Jesus is saying, one of the greatest torments of hell is you're going to be able to see heaven from it. I want everybody to get, get your head around what I'm about to say. That man looked into heaven and saw those people over there getting down on it, man, rejoicing, no pain, no sickness, no death, no crying, no tears, none of that stuff. And he could see it and realized Harry, very, how very little tweaking to his own lifestyle he would have had to have done to be there himself. There's people sitting here today that bow up against the scripture, you bow up against God, you can bow up against the church. I'm not trying to sound harsh this morning, but it's a reality. 
One day, if you don't get your heart right with God, you'll be in the place where he is. And you're going to see your mom and pop dancing around heaven and your kids and your family and your friends and the church and the pastor dancing around heaven. And you'll realize to yourself what little I would have had to have done with my personal life back then to have been there with them. I submit to you with everything in me today. I don't care how you got to live. If God wants you to stand on your head and whistle Dixie and stack greasy BBs, heaven is going to be cheap at any price. And I want everybody to get your head around that. I don't really care anymore about what this world has to give because I've got another one on my mind right now. I'm not interested in dabbling around in this and that and whatnot. I want to make my calling and election sure so that one of these days my soul lands on that golden shore. Hallelujah. I want you to understand today if you miss heaven, it's not that you miss heaven. It's not that you're in limbo somewhere forever. You either go to heaven or hell. It's the end of it all. If you came hoping for the cotton candy, it's not going to happen today. It's interesting to me in Luke 16. The Bible said Jesus said he was in torment, but Jesus didn't mention the the devils and demons and all the other horrible people. You know, one of my greatest fears of going to prison is the people I'll be with. It's the worst of the worst. We all know that. Can you imagine being in hell forever? You're not going to be there with good folks, and they're not going to be real happy. But he saw what he missed and how easily he could have obtained it. And then Jesus said, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water. We don't get this today. Brother Ben talked about the 21 days and yes, I'm looking forward to some things uh, tomorrow as well. But it's not a big deal in the scope of what that man wanted. Just give me a drop. Here's a rich man that I promise you and I feel confident to say today that would have given every one of his earthly possessions for that. You can't see it, but there's a drop of water on my finger. That. I don't understand it when people say, I don't have time for God. I don't have time to be in church. I don't have time to serve God. I don't feel like serving God. I don't believe in serving God. I don't understand it. And you know what? There's a lot of things we do with our Pentecostal holiness lifestyle. Maybe some of it's redundant. Maybe we take some of it too far. I'm going to be very honest about that. But I'll tell you this. I'd rather land 20 yards on the inside of heaven than to miss it by an inch. I don't imagine, Brother Ben, that your mama, with that hair pinned up and the long dresses and skirts and all that, I don't imagine she's complaining right now about all that. Said Jesus, you know, was all that really necessary? She's so awestruck right now, she she is beside herself. No question about that. And I can name others here, countless others here today. I can tell you about Sister Mary Edwards that attended our church when it was in Baker. She would read her Bible through on an average of five times a year. 
She'd read it over and over and over. Her life was unbelievable. It was Pentecostal holiness on steroids. Was all that necessary? I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I can promise you she ain't complaining about it now. drop of water he's begging for mercy and he'd have given everything he'd have given everything he owned for a drop the next great torment of hell and I I can't deal with this I, I, I can't deal with it Abraham said remember in your lifetime the good things that Lazarus had or you had good things and Lazarus had evil things He's comforting your tormented. Remember the opportunities you missed, Mr. Rich Man? That beggar man laying at your gate had more promise and hope for you in his life than your bank account could give you. If you would have stopped and asked him and talked to him and given him the time of day and struck up a relationship and a friendship with him, you might be there with him right now instead of in the place you are now. I want people to realize here today there will come a time if you're not right with God, that you'll look back to this service today and said, I had that opportunity and I missed it. I don't want to be negative and pessimistic here today, but I've done this for a long, long time. And I know full good and well, there's going to be people that hears this message that's not right with God and you're going to get up and walk out the door. There's people here today that's been to church services, youth camps, camp meetings, revivals, you name it. And finally, the rich man gives up his cause. He accepts the fact that I'm here and it's not going to change. And he finally said, I have five brothers. I have five brothers. Would you send somebody to minister to them? And the voice comes back from him and said, though a man was raised from the dead, they would not hear. I want to tell you, sweet Pentecostals, that believe with all of your heart that if God would just perform a miracle in my life and my family, if God would heal this person, that person, it would win my whole entire family. It might, but it may not. People aren't converted by miracles too much. And Jesus said that. You hear the preacher and you hear the word of God. That's what saves people more than anything else. So I'll ask you again today, do you want to go to heaven? If you do, how much do you want to go? How bad do you want to go? What kind of price are you willing to pay in order to go? What would you be willing to do if Jesus said you can have this XYZ lifestyle or you can have heaven? That's essentially what he's doing right now. You can continue to live like you live As a pastor I knew years and years ago, one of the statements he made more than anything else was, you're going to burn in hell. He'd say it all the time. We laugh about it now, but it's really not funny. But you can have heaven by sacrificing a few things, believing a few things, hoping a few things, living a little bit of discipline, living a little bit of accountability. Or... You can go to hell. One or the other. It's the end of it all. There's no more after that. There's no more after that. No repentance. No salvation. You're done.
I said one time, Brother Lee, and I have to be real careful here. I'm honored to have been called to the ministry. I wrote a book about it. I didn't want to do it at first. Ran from it for 10 years. It's 25 years old before I got in ministry. No, I was called when I was 16. I thought it was optional. I don't really feel like I'm cut out for it. I wrestle with pastoral low self-esteem, as a lot of men do. But I have come to realize this, that I believe it was one of the ways God chose to save me. Because if I wasn't in ministry, only God knows where I'd be right now. And that is a fact. I could belabor that point for a long time. But I have the potential of living real crazy in sin if I wanted to. But I have decided that I'll do whatever I have to do here so I can go there. I listened to a person giving a motivational speech. He's not a motivational speaker, and I'm going to tell you who it is in a moment. But he was speaking to some college graduates, and he said this, if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful like I've been successful, this man has made millions upon millions of dollars. This is what he said. You have to be committed. And then after you commit, you have to be consistent. And he said, the first thing you do is you seek after God. You know who said that? The movie actor named Denzel Washington. He's the one that said it. Here's a man that has made millions upon millions of dollars acting in the Hollywood industry. But he still acknowledged the fact that in front and first before all of that is God himself. I don't know anything about his lifestyle, but it was pretty profound to me. that Most people with that much money don't even think about God. But he's telling graduates, if you want to be a success, To think about God first, you have to put God first. So in conclusion today, about heaven. Heaven is not just attractive to me because of its value in material things. It's not just attractive to me because of its environment. But heaven's attractive to me because who I get to share it with. To share it with family. I expect when I die or raptured, I'm going to see Sister Murphy there. I expect to see my kids and my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law and my, my two sweet grandbabies. I expect to see them there. And when you add being in the presence of God, that's going to be heaven to me, man. That's going to be awesome stuff. And if, if God wills, I don't know everything about heaven, neither do you. There's a lot of mystery that we don't know about heaven. But I like to believe in my heart today, Brother Lee, that I... 
that we're going to know people there some kind of way. I don't know how that's going to work. But I want to greet Jesus first and worship him for a hundred billion years and maybe at some point take a break. Say, God, I'll be back in a few minutes, but there's some people I want to go look for. And I want to look for Brother Wheeler and Brother Dave and Brother Jason, Brother Ben. I'd like to see Matthew there and Hunter. I'd like to see Brother Brian there. And I could go all across this building. I hope Grace Church is there. Every last one of you, I hope you're there. I want to look for you there. I want every mom and dad in this church today to listen to Pastor. There will not be a greater achievement than having your kids walk up to you in heaven at some point and say, thanks, Mom, thanks, Dad, for teaching me what to obey and how to live so I could be a part of this with you. Would God rue the day that your kids find you in hell and say, why, why didn't you tell me? Your kids could amount to anything they wanted to be. They could be astronauts and drive space vehicles around the moon and Mars. They could be anything they wanted to be, and God bless them and God love them if they do. But there's not a greater achievement. There will not be a greater accomplishment. There will be nothing on this planet, Mom and Dad, that you could be more proud of than to have your kids greet you on that golden shore and say, Thank you, Mom and Dad. Think about that the next time you're too tired to bring them to church or a sporting event is going to supplant bringing them to church or going to see a movie is going to take the place of going to church or, or just let's have some family time at home. No, sirree, buddy. If I were you, we did it. My wife and I did it. We still do it. When the church doors were open, we were there. We were there. And we brought our kids there. We raised them there. It became the hub of their life. It became what they believed in. And one of these days, we're all going to be reunited again on that golden shore. I'd like to have the creative team take that statement I just made. And I'd like to have something in the next few weeks that I can hand out to everybody when they're leaving. There's not a greater achievement than having your family, your kids, your friends walk up to you in heaven and say thank you. Ray Bolts. You all know it, have heard it. I think he wrote the song and then sang it. But it goes something like this, and it describes the best of what I'm trying to say. He said, I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels sing, and then someone called your name. We turned and saw a young man running. And he was smiling as he came. He said, friend, you may not know me. And then he said, but wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. 
And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, so thank you for giving to the Lord. For I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you came. Another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. One by one, they came as far as the eye could see. Each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you have done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on earth and heaven now proclaimed. But I'm almost sure that there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord. He said, my child, look around. Great is your reward. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Can't imagine again how amazing that's going to be. I don't want to patronize anybody here today. And brother and sister Wheeler, forgive me, but one of these days, when y'all on the other side, Josh is going to come running up, say thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mama, for all those Sundays you drug me to church. It's been worth it. Thank you. Y'all bear with me for a moment, but I'd like to have our Sunday school teacher stand, our quizzing staff stand, all of you people stand, if you would, just for a moment. They're scattered all over the building. There's more than that. I don't know why they're not standing up. There they go. One of these days, Tanya, you're just a strong, hard-headed woman. Hard-headed for the right reason. I believe with all of my heart, one of these days, Hadley's going to run up to you and say, Thank you, Mama. Aaron, Parker, Nana, Kate, and Carter, can you imagine what that's like to be in heaven and to feel something doing that on that brand new white spotless robe and you turn around and it's them and they say, thank you, Mom and Dad, for all the scriptures you made us learn. And when I didn't want to quote verses, I, and you, I wanted to play, but you made me do it. Thank you. You made me seated. You all get the point today. You're going to look around and say, my God, how this was worth it. The greatest of all of it is when we see him. Somebody texted me this week. I didn't take it frivolous. We've all asked the question. He said, Pastor, what does God look like? No one's ever seen him. You would blow up as a human. It literally implode if you looked into the eyes of God. I really don't know. I can't really answer that question. But I do know this. John said in his epistle that when we see him, we will see him as he is. Brother James, I can't imagine what that's going to be like, man. To finally lay eyes on the one that redeemed us, who 
saved us, that turned our lives around and filled us with so much joy and so much peace. Years ago when we were evangelizing in the state of Ohio, there was a very well-known story about a young lady that was attending ABI, Apostolic Bible Institute, one of our oldest Bible colleges. She was blind. She was born blind. Had never seen anything in her life. And somebody was feeling sorry for her one day. And said, I'm so sorry that you're blind and you know, I don't want to torment you with the beauty of the earth and creation and all that stuff. And But just so sorry you've you've missed out on all of that. She stopped him. She stopped him. Don't even don't say no more. She said, in reality, you should be the one envious of, of me. You should be the one that should be regretful that you're not blind. Because you've seen everything. You've seen good things, bad things, great things, horrible things. You've seen everything. I've seen nothing. So where I'm better off than you is because when I die, the first thing I'll see is God himself. Hallelujah. So I want to ask somebody today, do you want to go to heaven? Do you really? How bad? What are you willing to do? What what sin are you willing to surrender? What lifestyle are you willing to turn your back on again? I submit to you that heaven is going to be cheap at any price. I would to God today that there was a smorgasbord of options that you could go to a place that ain't heaven, but it ain't bad. There's no such place. The end of it all is heaven or hell. So where do you want to go? There's folks here today, you know who you are. Kind of living on the fringe of the church, that kind of thing. You're not really out in the world, but you're not really in church all that great either. Why don't you bring your family in close to you today and determine that I'm going. I'm going. There's a man here today in conclusion that I want to give some honor to. I met Brother Henry Swallow for the first time when I was a teenager and I'm 62. You can do the math. Know his family. And in my mind, Brother Henry is that Christian man that's never wavered. Started out living for God a long, long, long time ago. I think he's 103 or something he told me the other day. There's a lot of things. He's buried his wife. I'm sure there's a lot of things and this world he could have chosen to do saying I've got time to come back later and get my heart right with God but he didn't stay true to the course I don't believe brother Henry when your feet are dusting down the streets of gold that you're going to have any regrets for all those years you gave to Jesus yesterday at our men's prayer meeting was Christian 16 just turned 16 
walking back and forth, hands raised, worshiping, praying. There's a lot of things that's appealing to this young man right now in the world. The devil is screaming his name every hour, every minute of every day. But Christian, one of these days, if you hold the course like Brother Henry did, you'll look back and say, you know what? Let them make fun. Let them persecute. Let them belittle me, whatever. It's been worth it all to make it to the other side. I determined a long time ago a job's not going to keep me out of it. A habit, a hobby, not worth it. You'll stand with me this morning. As much as we did last Sunday, I realize the environment is same, is different today, but the purpose is different. We talked about sin last Sunday, but today I'm talking about eternity. And I don't want to mislead anybody that just by not sinning is going to save you. You still have to repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and what have you. But sin can be so much fun, can be so appealing. When you realize where it leads you, I'm going to ask everybody here today, while Casey's playing softly, if your family's here, if you'll meet up with them, all the kids, moms, dads, everybody, if you'll join up with your family right around in front up here today. If your family's not here, find a good friend. There's a lot of people here today that would welcome you into their family circle. I'm going to ask everybody to just make your way down to the front today. And I want us to make a commitment, as Denzel Washington said. We're going to make a commitment. We're going to be consistent. And we're going to put God first. That's what we're going to do today. I'm asking everybody to do this. I'm asking everybody to do this. I want to say today for the unbelievers that may be here today, I don't believe in all that stuff, Pastor. Why don't you try it? Why don't you try it? And if it's a bunch of foolishness or whatever, you can go on your way. What I submit to you today in the Word of God will take you from here to heaven if you'll let it. So I'm asking all of our families to assemble. Y'all keep coming. There's a big gap up here. Y'all keep coming. People are behind you. Y'all keep coming. As they begin to sing softly, if the dad is here, I want you to do this. If it's not, mom can do it. If mom's not here, the oldest child can do it. Somebody in this family, take a hold of the rest of your family and say, we're going to heaven together. We're going to make this a family affair because it's going to make heaven even better when we're all there. It's going to make heaven even better for us to all be there. Come on, folks. It's commitment time. It's commitment time. God only knows where our world is headed in the next months. God only knows. But I want to know that I'm in the hands of God. I want to know that I'm in the hands of God. In Jesus' name.
starting this year off, we're going to heaven and we're going together. We're going together. We're going together. It's time to put it under the blood. It's time to draw close to him. Oh. It's time 